Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this, this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Yeah, sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, you know, go ahead and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Laurie Kilmartin is a talented stand-up comedian, a New York Times bestselling author, and Emmy-nominated writer who is originally from and currently based in the state of California. A working comic for some 35 years, Kilmartin has written for various television shows, including the entire run of Conan O'Brien's TBS series, Conan. Her comedic memoirs, Shitty Mom and Dead People Suck, are each critically acclaimed. And she co-hosts the Funny and Frank podcast, The Jackie and Lori Show, with comedian Jackie Cation. Kilmartin's latest special is 2021's Corset, which can be streamed on most audio platforms, and she's scheduled to perform at Just for Laughs Toronto between September 22nd and 26th, 2022. Lori and I connected recently to discuss California life and California tension, her comedy origin story, how she publicly grieved the loss of her mother on Twitter after she succumbed to COVID-19, what it was like working on Conan and being a performer who writes for late-night TV, 
our weird attention spans and making the Jackie and Lori show with Jackie Cation. Uh, the time Lori was oddly featured on a long and weird Fox News segment, why comedy is in the news a lot these days, uh, appearing on the new TV series Gutsy with Hillary and Chelsea Clinton, other future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control where you can also hear episodes of the show earlier than everybody else. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 715 of Creative Control featuring the brilliant and hilarious Laurie Kilmartin with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Laurie. How's it going? Uh, it's going great, Vish. How are you? I'm well. It's really uh, a pleasure to speak with you. I'm a fan. Uh, first of all, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta in Canada. Where in the world are you? Uh, right now I'm in Burbank, California, but I will be in Toronto uh, September 22nd through 26th doing some shows for JFL. <laughs> <laughs> that's early plugging. I love it. No, I know. That's the whole, that's kind of why we're talking, which is exciting. <laughs> well, it's exciting. I I, feel, I always feel like at least three people are going to turn off the podcast as soon as they hear my voice. So I need to get that plug in instantly. <laughs> I feel the same. I've long sounded a bit like a Muppet, I think. <laughs> Just like a little bit, and, I, and know, so I were. I hear it now. Now, yeah, I shouldn't have pointed it out. You yeah. sound great. I always think you sound great, so oh, don't fret you. about that. <laughs> Burbank, California. You are from originally from California, are you uh, not? Yeah, Northern California, from Walnut Creek, which is about uh, twenty thirty minutes from Oakland, um, East Bay. Yeah. Nice. So you haven't ever felt compelled to leave? Have you lived anywhere else in the United States Oh, of yeah. America? I lived in uh, New York for 10 years, and uh, I go back all the time still. So I feel like I'm, I'm straddling the nation. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you yeah. just name your next comedy special? Straddling <laughs> the nation would be pretty amazing, actually. That's yeah, amazing. Right. Okay, but you've, you're ensconced relatively in California, I think that's fair to say. Straddling my, or no? My son is going to school in California, so as, right. as much as I'm tied to that, I am. Yeah. Okay. Now, California, from our perception, is thought of as a really cool, progressive place. Your firsthand knowledge of the state is it a cool, progressive place? Is it nice to live in California? Oh, it, yeah. I mean, I love it. I was born and raised here, so I love it. Uh, I I, per, I love Northern California. Um, there's this thing where, you know, Bay Area people uh, are raised to hate uh, Los Angeles and its residents uh, before we move there. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, people in Los Angeles have no idea and don't care. So, uh, huh. so I do carry a chip on my shoulder that I have to hide unless it's, I'm with other Bay Area people. But, um, but yeah, I love it. I love the topography and uh, I like the weather except for this week. Um, and um, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, it's progressive and there's a massive uh, homeless problem. So yes. it's, it's, it's a little of, it's, it's, I think it's people that are progressive in their heads, but then when they start voting, it's, it gets less progressive, but I guess that's a lot of liberals. So I really appreciate that perspective. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I wasn't sure if it was as progressive because sometimes I go on Twitter and uh, I'll see like uh, California is canceling gasoline. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) that's good. That's probably good. That's probably what we should be doing. But then I hear from folks like you are like, yeah, but then there's a massive sociocultural, you know, there are so many issues here that don't get addressed because all we yeah. hear is kind of that positive stuff. So I appreciate that perspective. I've not heard, do many states in America have a regional uh, conflict? Like just a state. I've heard of inters, like New York State hates California yeah. State. As a sports fan myself, I buy into that. Like I hate, or like uh, for me uh, growing up, Letterman guy, which made me hate 
Leno. Then grew grew up a Conan guy. Then hated Leno. There's a lot of... (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. That's that's not geographic. That's just an issue I have. But my point is this. You're talking about like north-south divide in California. Is that normal to have these chips on your shoulders? You know, I... From what I hear, the Boston people and the rest of Massachusetts are at odds, but you'd have to talk to a Boston comic about that. Right. Um, I, I, I do remember growing up that the perception was that L.A. was taking our water and um, giving nothing back in return. So uh, I think that might be part of it. Um, but there's also like this horrific red center of California between... Yeah say Santa Cruz on on the lowest end of the Bay Area and Santa Clarita on the top end of LA. And in between that uh, is I-5 and I-99 and thousands of beating heart pro-life billboards. Oh, I see. And and, and Newsom, some crazy anti-Newsom people. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in this state. Okay. It could be three or four states for sure. That's right. and, uh, and But you only have, what is you have very little representation in the various uh, legislative places considering it's, your population, right? Sh- yeah, shameful that we have the same amount of senators as Wyoming. And one of our senators has dementia and so, so far gone that I think she can't admit it because she may not even know. Is that Susan, so Susan Collins? Is that Susan Collins? <laughs> Sorry, I can't keep track of... There's her too, right? I can't remember all of the people. Susan Collins is a, a super annoying Republican from Maine. I'm talking Maine. about Diane Feinstein. It's Feinstein. Diane Feinstein. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I yeah, got, yeah. I got confused. As we're speaking, the Queen also passed away, and she's th- those two other folks. I'm only drawing this connection because they're about the same age, aren't they? Yeah, sort of like in their 80s uh, I or think 90s. Feinstein's a little, yeah. Feinstein's in her 80s, so yeah. she's younger. Right, right. She's but, uh, spring chicken. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> I think the queen aged better mentally than Feinstein did. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that happened this morning. I have to tell you, Vish, my son may have a broken bone in his hand. We're going to check it tomorrow. We couldn't get an appointment until tomorrow. But um, I made him make his own breakfast because I couldn't stop tweeting jokes about the queen. Like, that's how exciting it is for a comedian to be on Twitter when something like that happens. Yes. I mean, you know, everyone's on their own. Uh, I, I can't care for people at this point, you know? <laughs> you you are great at the Twitter. Butter your own toast. Yeah, you're great at the Twitter. I feel, I will say, I, well, I want to get to Twitter in a moment. Your poor, okay. your poor son, we know from your live, or rather your comedy specials, uh, that your son uh, tore an ACL. Uh, as far as yeah. I know, uh, I don't know what's happened since then. In the special, you talk about how uh, uh, he's maybe prone to tear the other one. Did that happen? Has it? Has he torn both? No, he he tore one when he was ten, which is yeah. really young for that. Yeah. And uh, and the I already forgot the joke. Like as soon as I put that special out, I'm like, I never want to tell eighty percent of the all of these jokes again. But I I'll keep a few just yeah, until yeah, I fill yeah. fill out the set. Yeah. But the doctor said he was the other one would be bound to tear. Right. So don't get so don't get too comfortable. And now another injury. That's what you're saying. Like what is? Yeah. Is he like? Uh, is your kid Steve Urkel? What's going on there? Accident prone. Yes, <laughs> I think so. He uh, he 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 plays water polo. So we uh, got him in a sport where he's not landing on his knees, which is good. good. But uh, in this case, he slipped on the equipment room because he walked in wet from uh, swimming and, uh, oh, no. and fa- broke the fall with his hands. So. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I have two children myself, and uh, that kind of stuff terrifies me. But so far, so good. Yeah. So far, they're only they're eleven and seven. They're not water polo age, are they? Water yeah, polo. Yeah, water polo. Is that the age of water? When do you start playing water polo? Um, depends where you live. Probably, okay. uh, probably age never in Edmonton. <laughs> That's right. But it's just all ice. You could start at age five in uh, Southern California. <laughs> okay, got it. Speaking of starting things in California, comedy. Uh, we're, I want to ask you about your origin story a little bit because I don't quite know it. Uh, oh, also, mm-hmm. I want to say, uh, and I meant to say it earlier, my condolences to you on the loss of your parents, uh, particularly uh, you've during the pandemic, you lost your mother. That's correct. Is that right? I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a couple years ago now. Yeah. That's how long the pandemic is. But yeah, uh, yeah. She died of COVID in, in June of 2020. Yeah. Um, which is a setup to a joke of mine. But, uh, and then my dad uh, died of cancer in 2014. So thank you for the condolences. I'll take them, yeah. even if they're uh, many 
many years after, but I, I did tend to tweet about them and make a lot of jokes about them. So people are, I think, a little more aware that my parents are dead than other people's because I consider that fertile ground for comedy. Well, and I appreciate that. And I, I didn't mean to make things awkward by uh, expressing uh, my empathy. What? I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just trying to be like, because well, why I'm, why I'm uh, hesitating, if you will, I want to go back to your origin story, which I assume, okay. uh, as a comedian, I mean, assume has something to do with your upbringing or your family. On I know for me, that's that's part of my story, obviously. Uh, when did you first get into comedy? And within that, was your family funny? How did that uh, work out for you? Um, uh, my mom was funny, and my dad was funny too. And uh, but it, it kind of so he 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 would say funny things and then he would say things that were accidentally funny. One of those guys. So it was a lot of laughs were had. Oh, nice. um, I started in um, San Francisco in uh, 1987. I did my first open mic at this place called Fubars, which was um, a club in Pleasant Hill at the time. And then it moved and then it became a church and then it became a Chinese restaurant. Um, it's <laughs> It's so sad to see, to drive by a building that used to be a comedy club. You know, it, it always hurts. It hurts more than going to, you know, visit your parents at the cemetery in a way. You know, you just. I, I, I will say comedy club to Chinese restaurant to church. No, comedy club to church, church. to Chinese restaurant is yeah. a funny, funny. That's a funny trajectory. And it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. It could be a comedy club again because we're, where do you start doing one comedy night a week at a Chinese restaurant? Absolutely. Right. Okay. So do you have a sense? Okay. I appreciate that. Do you have a sense mm -hmm. of what propelled you to do that? Who thinks this is whether you get this all the time. I've got it as a musician uh, and even doing this and you probably get it as a comedian. Why do you have the audacity? Who told you you could do this? You know, where did this come from? Do you know where you got the, the confidence and the urge to think that is something I, Lori Kilmartin, can do? Do you know where that came from? Well, you know, I wanted originally I wanted to be an actress, and then um, uh, due to things happening, trauma in my life, I gained a ton of weight, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I can't be an actress anymore," <laughs> because oh, as far as I knew, everyone was a size two or whatever, and I'm like, "Oh, yeah. all right." And uh, uh, so I, I don't know. Somehow I started seeing stand up comedy. You know, just going to watch it live and. Thinking it looked fun, but not thinking it was something I could do. And then I saw somebody who wasn't very good at it or I, or somebody I thought I, I could be funnier than. And then I'm like, oh, OK, if that person can do it, that's almost how I accomplish anything is seeing somebody I don't think is very good at it and seeing them <laughs> succeed in it and going, oh, I could be better than that person. I yeah, can I can so. I can I can relate to that if it, if it for what it's worth, that's. Yeah, when my wife and I started doing like a college radio show, it was because, and it's no offense to anyone, I just heard what was going on and thought, I think we can do this at least a little bit better. And yeah. we we were told we we did. And I think that is a motivation like, yeah, I think I can contribute to this part of the culture. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And you know, what just occurred to me is you and I are both that person for somebody else, right? Yeah, like that's, but I'm happy, I'm happy about that. Sees yeah. me at a show and is like, no, let all right, let me on that stage. I can trash this woman. Yeah. But I'm I'm happy about that. Like I do sure. think I think all of us who put something out into the world do hope someone gets something out of it that drives them to do it. I I, yeah. I, I hope I hope I put that across. Do you feel that? Do you feel sorry? No, We're also, I feel nothing but viciousness and cruelty <laughs> from you. Competition. Like are you just so like <laughs> I must crush all young millennials. I don't want them to succeed. I don't feel that from you. I feel like you're no. when you get to when you get to a certain age you become an inadvertent mentor. Do you are you feeling yeah, that a bit? So. Do you feel that a little bit? Um yeah, it's it, it, it like like I'm 57, so I'm the intros are getting a little like <laughs> like I'm Queen Elizabeth or something, you know? It's like, right. and the thing about comedy is you can't, you don't get to rest on any of your history. You have to be funny on stage that night. So, you know, to me, it kind of doesn't matter if I've been doing it 30 something years or two years. Like, I just have to be on funny when I'm brought up on stage that night. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, so do you have like a, a a point in your trajectory that you think of as like your break, like where it felt like you 
were on to something that you could, you know, like a viable career. I'm sorry. I will also say for those who don't know, and I mentioned it in the intro, yeah. you are renowned as being a writer on Conan. Uh, that was a important gig for you, I think. That's fair. Yeah, for sure. That was yeah. a huge one. But was there something uh, ahead of that where you're like, oh, this is, yeah, I feel like I've made it. I feel like something, this is financially viable. This is, this feels good. Is there a point in your trajectory that comes to mind? Well, I guess my first writing job was on Tough Crowd, which was a Colin Quinn show on Comedy Central. And before that, it didn't occur to me that I could be a writer. Hmm. It literally seemed like a guy, a guy job. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Pretty much every writer credit that you saw scroll past you on Comedy Central were men. Yeah. So it just felt like that's what they did. And I'm a comic and I liked stand up comedy anyway. And then Colin was hiring a ton of stand up comics. And uh, I guess that I overcame, you know, whatever my hesitancy was and, uh, you know, tried to send him a bunch of ideas and really lobbied and tried to get a job on that show, which I eventually did. So your story is not that unusual, but I also wonder if you can talk a little bit about the ego involved or rather the role of the ego in saying, hey, we think you're really funny as a stand up. Can you be behind the scenes and write uh, as a performer? What was that like for you, that transition? Well, it's, it's, that's not how they put it, you know? Oh, sorry. Like, I you, was paraphrasing. I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't part of the well, negotiations. I'm just, I'm guessing that's what happened. That's all. It's more like you are deciding you can sort of sublimate your ego mm. and write for somebody else. So that takes a while. And yeah. some people can't do it. And they realize as they're writing a packet <laughs> that they can't, they can't do it. Like they can't write jokes that they can't tell. You know what I mean? Which is fine, you know. So it's more you realizing that you could mimic somebody else's voice, and you know, yeah, and and uh, and it not interfering with your own voice. And for me, because I've pretty much only written for male hosts, because that's pretty much all there is. You know, it's really easy to split split that up in my head. You know, my uh, my personal life and what I write for my act, nothing nothing would ever translate over to a Conan monologue or any monologue, you know? Yeah. So it, it doesn't, uh, it, it, it structurally, I, I, you know, writing for Conan for all these years, maybe much better joke writer. And that transfers over to my own writing for myself, yeah. but the topics are don't cross ever. Really. I'm a, uh, someone who is really steeped in the Larry Sanders show. Did you ever watch that show? Oh, I love that show. Yeah. Well, that was my entry point into watching. There's episodes where Sarah Silverman plays a comedian and there's like tension between her and the character Phil. They're both comedy writers and he's threatened by her as a woman. But one of the things that uh, I learned from that show that I maybe didn't think about was watching comedy writers watching a host fuck up their jokes. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he he hit the punchline wrong. Oh, he hit this. He hit the phrasing wrong. And I was like, oh, I never even thought of that. Um, and and I yeah. will say, since really uh, acquainting myself with your comedy specials, I now think I try to uh, as I think in retrospect, I suppose, because it's not on the air anymore. I can kind of in my mind hear Laurie's voice in Conan. As as the as, oh, weird. like I'm I, I I'm just a weirdo who does stuff like this because I'm a I'm a nerd I guess and I like comedy. That's what I was told about you. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, who told you that? I would like to know. I need a name on that. <laughs> I would I would say it's more more he would had an influence on me. Yeah. I don't think he he wasn't like going to me for joke reads. <laughs> no, of course not. You yeah. know, uh, I I think me me learning his rhythm. And writing in his rhythm, I probably wrote my own stuff in that rhythm as well. Yeah. You know, not necessarily on purpose, but just because I was used to writing in that rhythm. Uh, but yeah, the thing about watching, <laughs> watching like a joke and then, you know, it's, you know, when you're telling a joke, you have to say every word perfectly. And if you fumble just even like a word, like your mouth sort of fumbles a little yeah. bit, it it's over. I mean, the joke's going to get at best half as much of a laugh. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just happens. Yeah. And and so that's, yeah, I've seen that happen many times and just gone, oh, dang it. Yeah. You know? But you know, the host is thinking that too. Like, ah, 
it just, it just, you're, you know, you're speaking all the time and your brain gets ahead of your mouth and then there's just mush sometimes. Well, it's also uh, such a hamster wheel to write for a talk show like that. Every day you got to make something amazing and then let it go. Um, that's a huge, yeah. as a comedian who writes uh, your own stuff uh, that you take on the road and say and say and say uh, over and over again, I imagine it must be weird because I've dealt with topical monologues before and it seems like weird to spend that much time on something you're going to say once. Uh, did you ever? I know. <laughs> it's weird because I spend, I will spend years on one like three minute chunk, you know, yeah. getting it perfect. And the idea that someone has to say, I'll also do a three minute chunk and they only get to say it that one time. There's no rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre. It is strange. Yeah. I, I I think that's probably why a lot of monologue jokes follow a formula, because at least the formula is in your head already. The yes. words are different, you know, but at least that part's in your head. You don't have to practice that part. Yeah, fair enough. I want to ask a bit of a, a Conan question. Sorry, just for the record here, because mm-hmm. I, I like it. We're doing some sort of government census thing right now i don't know why i said for the record but what well, the queen is dead and we have to you know charles is your king now so you have to go over everything again that's I true and, and true in canada we i, I salute uh, charles the third or whatever his name is right now no <laughs> oh I, I was, my god what iteration of conan uh conan's work did you join him on if that makes sense uh what- oh i was uh, on the tbs show so the last iteration so from 2010 to 21 I wanted to get your perspective on this because I'm a real student of late night in that I was raised watching late night TV and I really admire uh, most of, like you said, they're mostly dudes. Uh, What is your perspective on how Conan, you were there, that TBS show evolved in a way that I have not seen any late night talk show, a host of Conan's sort of uh, pedigree and renown. He just, you guys made a point of like, you know what? This isn't working. We're going to keep changing the format. Like, I think the format of that TBS show might have changed three, four times. Is that about right? Feels feels like it, yeah. I mean, g- going to a half hour was a big deal. It um, it cut out some time for comedy, yeah, um, which was, you know, hard on us, the comedy writers. And um, we cut out, like, mostly two of the guests i think sometimes they would he would do a shorter interview and maybe have a stand-up on when he had a stand-up he would do a shorter main interview but it um i think you know if you watch uh, a lot of late night shows aside from the stand-ups the second and third guests are often not anyone you need to hear from <laughs> yeah, but as a kid, that's where I'm like, sorry, I'm I was a Norm McDonald, yeah. I was a Norm McDonald guy, and uh, right. I, got, oh, yeah. I got to know him just a little bit, and uh, I loved him, and I discovered him, and people like him. Uh, I remember like Sandra Bullock. I'm not a, I, I'll, I'll say this, I'm not a huge Sandra Bullock fan, but she started wow. to. Sorry, is that wrong? Is that a wrong thing to say? I don't mean. <laughs> Well, she's uh, an American icon, I'm sorry. and you have an American comic I'm sorry. on your on your podcast. So you're, you're, I don't know. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> I would like to retract what I said. Anything negative, but she started out as kind of like a third tier Letterman guest, and then blew everyone away. She was funny, and it surprised him, and it surprised everyone. I remember that anyway. But Norm, those sort of segments well, were a showcase for really interesting people. I often thought, sure, yeah. sure. Like I, I said, aside from the stand. Oh, yeah, that's true. You uh, and okay. Yeah. So uh, out of the thousands, <laughs> maybe tens of thousands, second and third guests, you you pick Sandra Bullock as the one outlier and the reason to extend shows beyond Fair enough. the half. Hour. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. You're right. It. This is a there's a flaw in my uh, reasoning. I appreciate that. <laughs> I would say a lot of the time they go in and out of show business, and uh, they're they're just they're 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 feeling they're killing time yeah, you yeah. know and so to me I, I, when he went down to a half hour i i felt like uh you know he could really focus on one interview with one person that he probably liked you know i mean just just think if you have to memorize your you have to work on your monologue get the timing down on it yes it'll be on a monologue card cue cards and stuff but you still have it have to have it in your head you got to set up the desk pieces and that comedy and now you have to have you have to have an interest in three different people 
you know, one of whom you may not know or whose work is just stupid and you have to pretend like it's not, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask of one person. So I think when you take out, you know, two of those less exciting interviews and you just get to focus on one, it's probably pretty, a lot more fun. I think. I thought it was, I mean, it was obviously, I think a reaction to the way things were being consumed. I don't know if you have, you have a podcast or how many podcasts do you have? It's hard to even know anymore. Do you have more than? I just have one. Okay, just no, make it. You're sure. right. It was it was how you know, obviously how things are being consumed too. Yeah. yeah, I was just I was thinking more artistically, you know, and and what a late night show is now versus you know when the model you know was introduced, it was like ninety minutes. The Tonight Show was ninety minutes long, and there was nothing else to watch. Yes. and so we we've we stuck so closely to the original model when everything else in the whole world has changed it's sort of it's sort of odd that late night is still kind of the same you know but who knows for, uh, for the most part but i think conan and i i think conan's various shows were inventive and innovative and totally and, uh, oh yeah comedically and within that yeah i just mean the thing of it starts at 11:30 after local news and it's it, it goes till 12:30 and you know who's up watching exactly when it airs yeah. you know very very few people compared to what i'm just saying like what a tonight show meant to people in the 60s and 70s it does not mean to people now it means it's a different thing completely so it's just it's that's what i meant like it's it's interesting that most of the shows stick to that kind of that structure even though we don't use it like that. Yeah, and when I talk about the inventiveness or the innovation, like what I'm, what I was actually beyond. I, I know people tend to think of, uh, particularly Conan's late night show as being that the home for, or rather, yeah. what I'm referring to. What I'm saying is, watching how the TBS show evolved was brave. I, I viewed it as yeah. brave of him saying, "Okay, I'm going to change. It's going to go to half an hour. Like, yes, we're going to lose the band, and we're, or I think, yeah, we're going to lose the band. We're going to lose a yeah. bunch of stuff." But he, I think, my reading on it, not knowing what was going on behind the scenes, is he was trying to react to the way things were being consumed. But where yeah. and why I invoked your podcast is, I feel like we're in a confusing realm in terms of what people think other people's attention spans are. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Because Conan's like, yeah, we got to get sure. down to half an hour. Maybe people don't care enough. I, I'm guessing this is me speculating. Hours too much. Let's mm-hmm. get down to half an hour. Meanwhile, and then you see this a lot. Tweets are short. Viral videos are short. Like stories, reels, TikTok. It's all short, short, short. Then we have podcasts. Long form. <laughs> it's a weird four-hour Rogan pod. I know. It's like crazy. I don't understand. I know, what. Uh, do you feel this? Yeah. Like, what are we doing right now? What? Who are we catering to? Because <laughs> some people think everyone has no time for anything. Meanwhile, like you say, these other folks... You know, my show's usually about an hour, uh, and mm-hmm. I try to keep it focused. I know this is an exemplary of that. I apologize. But I try to keep it a focused hour. <laughs> anyway, do you have any take on that, just given what you do, how you write? And and by the way, you're great at Twitter. I think you're wonderful wonderful makes, on Twitter. Do you have any sense of... It's my favorite. You're really great at it. Do you have any sense of what we're doing? Hey, Lori, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but... The what the uh, examples you gave are we we've shut we've cut back on the visual and we've increased the audio. Yes. So I don't know what that is. Are people in uh, commuting more? Are they you know? I mean, maybe we're so much on screens that to ask us to then watch an hour of a screen is like I can't do this anymore. I just did this all day at work. That's true. I can't I can't look at this. Uh, like maybe you, your eyes need to rest. Maybe you just not to be need to not be taking in visual cues for a little bit and just rest your eyes and listen to something. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know either. And I didn't think we were going to solve all the world's problems today. It's just something I wrestle with too. That's what I was promised. Oh, but okay. <laughs> Speaking of solving, I'll, I'll check my email. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Speaking of solving the world's problems, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Tell the folks about the podcast uh, that you do. Oh, I do one podcast with Jackie Cation, a great, great comedian, um, and it's called The Jackie and Lori Show. Uh, we don't like to be, you know, cryptic. It's just us. And every week we talk about our weeks. Uh, we're both stand-up comics, and we've been doing it since 2015, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's weird. Like, I, we neither of us saw, thought necessarily 
that it would go on this long because we're like, uh, how, how long can two women talk about comedy? But a long time. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's always some scandal in stand-up. It's so weird because when we started, I don't think stand-up was on everyone's radar like it is now. And now I'm on Twitter. There's a stand-up comedian trending every single day, yeah. mostly for terrible reasons, but yeah. it's just a thing it's a it's a hobby or a profession that everyone is aware of now yeah. that they weren't definitely when I started, you know, I mean, I don't know. So we always have stuff to talk about. And then we, you know, we are still in the business. So we sometimes don't name names. You know, we just like will allude to certain people because we're probably going to run into them again, you know. Um, but yeah, we 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 discuss all the stuff that's going down now is jackie usually. is it safe to say and i'm speculating is jackie your best friend no my best friend is named cheryl and she she was a comedian we met at a one-nighter in uh, lewiston idaho uh that this guy named dave tribble who was like an iconic late night or uh, uh, an iconic one-nighter booker in the northwest you just book you on these like weeks they're usually four to five day weeks the gigs were at least two hours apart or up to eight hours apart, right? Like you do a Tuesday in Montana and then the the next Wednesday is in Spokane. Right. <laughs> you have yeah. to get the road early. So uh, I'm sure there's like, there's people like that all over Canada that book stuff like that. In yeah, Canada, yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, so Cheryl and I met on one of those and she was working on a spec to, uh, to become a writer and um, so she did. She uh, won an Emmy for King of the Hill, oh. and she's written on a ton of shows. She's like, she's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And so we're still best friends. And then Jackie is one of my best friends. And I know she would say the same about me. She does have a best friend. That's not me. We, you know, we we uh, we we have this weird relationship where, like, now when we see each other in person, we don't want to say anything because we have to fill an hour every week. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell her anything, but hey, how's it going? And everything else, I'll just save for the when it's in, you know the mics. Yeah, that mic in front of that me. makes sense. This is gold, you say to each other, and you say like, "Why are we talking about this now?" I will tell you a yeah. thing, uh, if I may tell you a quick thing. Uh, Jackie Cation, a wonderful, wonderful stand-up comedian, uh, has yeah. been on, been on my mind uh, almost every day for the past year and a half. Uh, because wow. because uh, I owe her a T-shirt. Now, uh, oh. I, it plagues me that I have not yet sent Jackie a T-shirt. What happened was Jackie was on my show, this show that you're on now, and we had a nice right. nice time. And I and she has been very appreciative. And then, uh, like a week later, she's like, "Hey, do you want to be on my podcast, The Dork Forest?" Sorry about the podcast confusion. It's hard to keep track of how many podcasts people have right now. I understand you have one. Congratulations. It's good to just have one. Yeah. And we don't have guests. So I right. never have to chase down anyone. I mean, it's truly I'm in a heavenly situation yeah. that I will never change. Well, it's wonderful. She wrote to me about a week after being on uh, my show saying, hey, do you want to be on the Dork Forest? And I said, oh, sure, that would be good. Uh, when? And she said, how about now? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> So I was on to talk about Bob Dylan with like no notice. And I was like, oh, okay. And then we did it and it was fun. It was super fun. Uh, she seems like, is that her personality type? Impulsive? Spontaneous? Yeah, she she's a planner and then things <laughs> fall apart and then she gets very spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, she, she can handle when things fall apart. And uh, like someone must have canceled. And she, instead of uh, going, I can't do this podcast anymore. I hate everything. She's like, I'm going to call Vish. Yeah. And uh, let's get some Bob Dylan <laughs> on. And she did it and she persuaded you and uh, it all worked out. So she's actually great in an emergency emergency situation. Yeah. See that word? Now, if I was a, mon if I was a host, I would have screwed up the word emergency and that joke would be ruined. Right? Really? Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. I just what I just did. That's what I'm saying about when when people are talking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't. I probably ruined my point. But always go to Jackie if uh, if something goes wrong because she'll she'll know how to improvise and. Fix if there's it. an emergency, contact Jackie Cation is what I'm learning. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Not me. I want to go back <laughs> to what you were saying about stand up. You have been in this field okay. for so long. 
Why do you think we're talking about it more from your perspective? What's going on? Why is it in the news so much? Hmm. I guess, I mean, most of what's in the news is stand-ups talking, you know, what their jokes are, right? And people saying that they don't like those jokes. That's mostly what it is right now. And it, it, it's, it's, I think it's so odd for a lot of older comics because we're not used to that. I mean, usually it's like either a joke works, like it gets a laugh or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you end up dropping it at some point. And, you know, they, there weren't like comedy reviewers when, you know, I mean, it's very rare. It's, it's, it's not rare. It's new that people are pouring over content, like comedy content yeah. and looking at yeah. it. Um, maybe like in Edinburgh, they've always been doing that during the comedy festival, but not in, not in the States. And I remember like reading like spin magazine or whatever, when I was first starting or Rolling Stone and they would just review every album by who the hell knows who these people were and treat it and give it like a full page and 10 paragraphs. And I'm, I always think, why don't they, don't they know about stand up comedy? Why don't they pay attention to comedy like that? And so now they are. And <laughs> I think a lot of comics aren't used to it, you know, and, and are used to having their stuff vetted, you know, by people that don't like them. So yeah, I don't know. That's... There's something it is interesting to watch. Like, you know, we all have jokes people don't like that we like, you know, no, and... that's but that's fair. But I I made this argument to a few different folks uh, who come on the show. I don't recall seeing comedy and jokes um, weaponized in this way, if you will. You were the subject of a Sean Hannity profile oh, because yeah. you made jokes about the Roe versus Wade discussion, and then they devoted this bizarre segment featuring like Laura Trump and yes. some other Pam very, Bondi. Yes, yeah. Pam Bondi, former uh, governor, attorney general she? of Florida, attorney general. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, my, no. I'm I'm a little sleep deprived. I stayed She's up late the watching. Senator it. from Maine. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm usually on the money with my uh, American politicians, but I stayed up late watching that U.S. Open. Uh, tennis oh, match yeah. last night that went I to like it was great yeah it was incredible but I'm I'm tired now anyway my point is this mm-hmm. uh, yeah you were the subject of this long segment you did a very hilarious rebuttal to it but that's bonkers to me that they pick and choose because what they do is they say horrible heinous shit the, the, the let's say the Hannity's of the world and then when you call them yeah. on it they say we were just joking and then when yeah. the comedian does it they're like this couldn't have been a joke that Lori Kilmartin said this thing about, you know what I'm saying? What's going on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, it was just like one of those, it was Eamon, he has a show on Sunday nights. No one watches TV on Sunday. Like, it, it, it couldn't have been a safer place to do an abortion joke on Mother's Day. You were it's, on MSNBC is what yes, you're referring to, right? Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, whatever. And then it was just a topical joke. But um, it, it got clipped out by MSNBC. I'm 99% sure did this. They sent it to, they, they send all the, the clips to just little, little, like little places on yep. the internet that post that stuff. Mediaite is a place. They post of course. little sound bites from yep. late night show, for, from those shows. And those things go all over Facebook. Yeah. You know, the whole thing. So they posted that and they, the, the headline was comment, you know, guest says she would have a joyful abortion or something. And it, it, it suggested that I was a news anchor or a reporter. And if you had said comedian jokes about abortion, no one would have been interested in it because that we all do. So they kind of set me up, MSNBC did, by posting it that way. And then that's all you need to have, you know, people with Internet shows have a whole segment about it because that gets, you know, a lot of Facebook engagement, which I was, you know, I just couldn't believe it was crazy the hate I was getting. And then Sean Hannity gets a segment on it, you know, and I don't even know if they said my name. They kept calling me that woman. Yes. And, and, um, yeah. And, but they got to do their little abortion talking points and their little liberals, uh, think it's funny. It's, it, it was just like, oh, I'm just like a, I'm just a tool for them yes. right now to, yeah. uh, you know, hammer, hammer this nail in this, uh, in this wood. So, it went away really quick too. Like I got a bunch of death threats, and I, I like I went and bought a 
an expensive home like security system. And then oh my God. within four yeah, four days the whole thing went away. I stopped getting emails. Yeah. It just it just ended and people just moved on. They they're like they're just distracted little insects and they swarm for a second and then there's a new thing and they go over there and you just have to survive your swarming, I guess. It's bizarre. And I'm, I'm mindful of the time because I wish we could talk more about the distinctions between what is supposedly locker room talk and, oh, yeah. and a comedian actually making a joke. Um, but again, right. I'm mindful of the time here. Um, I, I, I want to ask you what's coming up next. Sorry to be abrupt. With the plugging and the future oh, no. plans, but I'm like I say, I'm I'm a considerate host, and you have other things to do. <laughs> what what else is coming up for you? So you mentioned the JFL Toronto, which is very exciting. Uh, what else yeah. is coming up for you, uh, for you, Laura? There, um, I did record a gala, so that'll be airing sometime in Canada. I don't know when they're going to air it. Um, and uh, this Friday on the 9th of September, I'm part of this series that Hillary Clinton and yes, Chelsea Clinton saw did that, yeah. called Gutsy Women. Yeah. So I'm in episode six and it's on Apple TV plus. So, uh, you know, check it out. If you how want. did that how did that come about? What, how do you get the attentions of the, the Clintons? That was uh, a, somebody I knew from Tough Crowd was working at Apple and they oh. were they had like their marquee stand-ups wanda sykes and amy schumer and then i think they needed people that weren't as famous yes i i absolutely fit the bill and uh so it was myself yamanika saunders and may soon and we the three of us did a round table with hillary and chelsea at caroline's comedy club for like an hour and a half it was a very long discussion. wow it was really it was surreal and cool and yeah i don't know how it'll be edited but it was it was really fun that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. So that as of September Thanks. 9th, uh, that'll be up on Apple TV. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you, Laurie, and follow you and whatnot? Uh, my website is killmartin.com. And uh, I'm on, I just uh, started posting clips on TikTok. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> bit on Instagram, but I'm mostly on Twitter because to me, it's much more fun to write jokes than to post a video. But, you know, you got to yeah. do what you got to do, Vish. <laughs> I'm aware. Listen, <laughs> I I really do appreciate this time. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I thank you for this. I wish you the best of luck in the future. I hope we talk again someday, Lori. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Man, that was really fun, and it felt brief, but maybe it was just long enough. I have, I don't know anymore. I just want to thank Laurie Kilmartin for making time for me. You know, I never know what's going to happen with this show sometimes, and uh, I, I consume a lot of culture, and I uh, admire a lot of people, and, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago, I didn't know Laurie Kilmartin would be on the show, and now she's on the show, and I've admired her greatly from afar. I like her comedy. I like her social media I like everything she does and now she's on the show anyway I just want to say uh, Lori thank you so much for being on this the 715th episode of Creative Control which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever all of you get your podcasts if you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me sign up for my monthly newsletter please visit vishkana.com you can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative you can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast a humming. Six dollars or more a month grants you access to exclusive and early 
content. You get uh, the episodes a little bit earlier than everybody else. I dig into my audio archive sometimes and, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say dredge up because that doesn't sound like I'm upselling, but I, I, I find old things and I put them on the Patreon that haven't been featured on the podcast before. Sometimes I go into OT with my current, uh, and uh, you know, new episodes with my guests. You know, I go a little longer. Anyway, all that stuff is on the Patreon. And also, if you want to receive a Creative Control t-shirt while supplies last, just message me uh, once you've made your donation on Patreon, and I will try to get you one just as soon as I uh, possibly can. So thanks, patreon.com slash Control. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. If you're in any of those cities, go to those places. Tell them I sent you. See if they give you a funny look, like they don't they don't know who I am. That's possible. I don't know who's working the counters those days. Also, want to thank Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. He's a dear friend of mine. Uh, you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. You should go up to Jim and mention my name. See if he recognizes me. He might pretend he doesn't know me, but he does. Finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Lori Kilmartin, who's wonderful. Check out Lori. Uh, go see her if you're in Toronto uh, at uh, JFL Toronto and follow her. She's the best. I, I, I really admire her. Thanks for subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends about it and spreading the word. It means a lot. I'm going to go. I will talk to you very soon. Thanks again. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.